0: Well, welcome back to The Kitchen Table with Arctic Eric. Well, here we are uh, looking at the subject, that topic of deliverance, one more time. This is uh, Part 10, Subsection 2. So uh, Part 10 is going to have a uh, Section 1 and a Section 2, where we are looking at deliverance in the book of acts it is so good to be here with you at the kitchen table and as always i simply want to say thank you for taking time out of your busy day to spend 10 or so minutes here with me at the kitchen table all right we're going to continue as i said uh, in the book of acts looking at deliverance these are what we're calling power encounters I encourage you to listen to part two, particularly where I clarify the difference between deliverance and exorcism. And we'll touch on that a little bit here today when we begin at Acts chapter 19, verses 11 and 12. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick. And the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Luke describes these healings and these deliverances as unusual. The Greek text indicates that it's not common or not the typical. I think Luke wants to make it very clear that we're not to view Paul's experience in Ephesus as a model, nor are we to expect the same thing in our day. Of course, that does not mean that it cannot occur. The reason for this out-of-the-ordinary, this unusual manifestation of divine power might be attributed to the unique spiritual climate of Ephesus in the first century. Ephesus, as you might know, was the religious capital of Asia Minor. And there it featured the stunning temple of the goddess Diana, also called Artemis. People from all over the Mediterranean made pilgrimages to Ephesus to visit Diana's temple and to purchase religious medals and omelets. But worship of the goddess did not capture the hearts of the people of Ephesus like the practice of magic did. And the practice of magic involved a reliance on occult and demonic powers. The same is true today. The fact that Ephesus was the center of such activity may be the reason that led to unusual manifestations of God's power through Paul. In truth, those unusual miracles, which went far beyond the ability of magic to mimic, made a tremendous impression on the people of Ephesus. In Acts 19.19, we're told that many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. Luke also tells us that so many people in Ephesus became Christians that the profits of the craftsmen who made religious metals plummeted. A silversmith, in fact, started a riot claiming that not only is this trade of ours in danger of falling into disrepute, But also the temple of the great goddess Diana may be despised and her magnificence destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worship. We read that in Acts 19.27. It took a spectacular and extraordinary manifestation of Christ's power through the Apostle Paul to touch the people of Ephesus. And the unusual healings and deliverances did just that. Let's continue with Acts chapter 19, now verses 13 to 17, as we continue here in part 10, section 2 of Deliverance out of the book of Acts, right here at the kitchen table with Art beginning at verse 13. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded." This became known, both to all the Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Let's look at a couple of interesting things in this account. First of all, it mentions itinerant Jewish exorcists. And Luke's reference reflects upon the reputation some Jews enjoyed as exorcists in the first century. One reason the Jews were highly regarded as exorcists was the fact that they did not pronounce the name of Yahweh. People assumed that Jewish exorcists knew his true and secret name, which gave them such power that they could command him to cast out demons. This is the only place, by the way, in Scripture where the word exorcist occurs. Let's think about it now. The sons of Sceva fled when attacked by the man with an evil spirit. We read in verse 13, Call the name of the Lord Jesus Christ over the one who had evil spirits. There is such a significance between Paul's command for demons to come out in the name of Jesus and the practice described here. These Jewish exorcists attempted to use the name of Jesus, listen now, as an incantation like those quoted earlier. And that's a big part of exorcism. Again, part two will uh, open that up for you. We go on to read, it says, They spoke, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. The Jewish exorcists had no personal relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And without such a relationship, they had no basis for calling on Him to act. The Jewish exorcists were using this name in a magical way. The demon admitted that he recognized Jesus and that he recognized Paul, but there was nothing about the seven sons of Sceva, no sense of the divine presence, that would lead the demon to recognize them. These Jewish exorcists had no spiritual understanding that would give them a delegated authority over the demon. We continue to read, Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped upon them. This is typical. The demon-possessed man, or the demonized man to be more accurate, displayed unusual strength when the demon took control. The seven sons of Sceva were beaten and stripped, and they fled into the streets. We read in verse 17 that fear fell on them all. The Greek word here for fear can be understood to indicate either fright or reverence. The report of this experience left the population in awe and caused the Ephesian Jews and the Greeks to view Paul and Jesus with respect. So in that way, there was reverence. That, plus the unusual healings and exorcisms, made it impossible for the Ephesians to dismiss Paul's message as just another superstition. Isn't that amazing? The power in Jesus' name. It's not magic. No. It is God in us through faith in Jesus, that indwelling person of the Holy Spirit, And Jesus gives to those who believe, that's you and me who have capitulated, surrendered, and are trusting Christ, authority over the work of the devil in the name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus came to set captivity free. How glorious it is. Well, again, thank you for being here for part 10, subpart 2, if we call it that, of deliverance here at the kitchen table with Arctic Eric. And I want to briefly pray that best prayer that I know, and it's this. That God's good, perfect, and acceptable will be done for you, in you, and through you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Good day.